Wow. Good morning, Vintage. Thank you, Pastor Ben. That was so fun. Um, it is a delight to be with you all this morning. Um, like Pastor Ben said, my name is Angela Lee. I'm a pastor. I'm a mom. I'm a wife. I'm a sister. I'm a friend. Um, and before I get started, I often get this. Uh, there's often something that I need to address in the room. Um, you need to understand that just because I have this mic, just because I'm sitting here with this tablet, like, you should know something about me. I'm regular. Like, buy my pants at Costco regular, okay? I'm not like, there's no like visitations happening with me. There's nothing that God, God wasn't like, I dub thee, like, no, no, no. I was like 19 in a laundry room doing laundry when God called me into ministry. And I was like, this is what we're doing? Okay, all right. So I just need you to know, like from my heart to yours, I'm coming to you sharing the word of God from a place of somebody who's just trying to live in obedience, just like the rest of us in this room, who say that we follow Jesus as our Lord and Savior, okay? So now that we've got that out of the way, um, let me show you a picture of my family. My family uh, are here with us today. Uh, that's my husband, Paul. Those are my two littles, Justice and Ayla, and then my bonus daughter, Lizzie, who's there. Um, yeah, so that's my beautiful family, and I'm so thankful for them. I show them because I am who I am, and I can't be in this place and say this yes without their support, and so um, I'm able to do this because they are just incredible champions of the call that God has on my life, and I'm so thankful. Um, like Pastor Ben said, I'm the executive director of Harambe Ministries. We are a neighborhood ministry located in the northwest corner of Pasadena. Um, and I, as a quick aside, we have our culminating Christmas experiences next weekend. If you are looking for something fun to do with your family, come see me after the show. I would love to invite you to our Christmas musical uh, called Bethlehem. We exist to make leaders at Harambe. And we do that through a bunch of different ways that I'm going to talk to you a little bit about as I make my way through this sermon. Um, and it's important that you understand, too, that as your neighbor, there are so many different dynamics at play in Pasadena. And one of those things that I think we need now more than ever in this city is one of the themes of Advent, which is peace. Peace. And today I'm gonna to talk about this idea of peace from probably the most unlikely character in the Bible story, which is Mother Mary. You heard the scripture read. I'm just gonna read verse 38 of us one more time and we're probably gonna spend a lot more time there than you're maybe used to. Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Let's pray. Lord of heaven, we just thank you so much for this day. God, I, I just am so excited to be here, but so humbled to be able to open up your word in this sacred and holy time of year, which is Advent. God, I pray that you would move everything out of Angela that would get in the way of what it is that you wanna say to your children today, God. Those of us who are in this room, our hearts and our minds are open to you now, God. Would you have your way in this place? Holy Spirit, would you bring healing where it's needed? Would you bring comfort where it's needed? Would you bring the satisfaction that only you can give? It's in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus we ask these things. Amen. So like I said, my name is Angela, and when I was 11 or so, one of my aunts gave me this framed like certificate thing, and at the very top it said Angela, and right underneath it it said Heavenly Messenger. <laughs> You say heavenly messenger. And I used to think, dang, that's like a lot of pressure. I'm 11. But now, 
as I've gotten older, um, the pressure's only gotten harder, so it didn't get easier. Um, living up to that kind of name of, of understanding what my name means and understanding that at some point during my mother's pregnancy, God inspired her and my dad to give me that name, that assignment. Now, let me just be really clear with you all. I am not like angels in the Old Testament or in the New Testament. Like, I'm a pastor who cusses. Like, I'm not like that kind of like, no. Regular, okay? Regular. When we look at this scripture and we see Mary having an actual visitation from an angel, this is truly a heavenly messenger. This is someone who was actually sent by God to be God's representative on earth to have interactions with mankind. Angels historically in the Bible did two things. They either brought a word of encouragement or they were there to strike you dead because you opposed God. It was one of the two. Check it out, it's in the Bible, I'm not making it up. So if you were visited by an angel, you see in the scripture that Mary says that she was startled because for her as a teenage girl, she knew that angels usually only went to see the high priests when they were in the holies of holies or to the men who were of the beginning, the fathers of the nation of Israel. They were to be feared. So in this scripture, the archangel Gabriel is just like hopping around Galilee, giving these words to people, news of babies left and right. And here we find our young friend, Mary. And when I think about this point, when I think about Mary's reaction, when I think about when I put myself in her shoes, I have this question that comes to my mind. As she's visited by this angel, as she's been told this news, the question that I have that I would put before you today is, well, what's counting you out? When you think about things, when, when God comes to you, when the Lord is speaking to you, when you're reading scripture, where are the areas of your life And maybe you've counted yourself out. I think it's fascinating that scripture makes it a particular point to say that she's a virgin three times just in this translation of the scripture that we were reading. It's like Luke is going above and beyond to say this girl is not qualified. She doesn't even have the relational experience to be a wife. So theoretically, she is many steps away from where she should be in life. But I think the fact that the angel made it a point to tell Mary that she was highly favored tells us that she was a young woman who lived a faithful life. There's a very good chance that she couldn't read because sociologically and culturally at that point, women were not taught to read, but she could attend synagogue uh, teachings. She could sit in the temple and listen, listen to the scriptures, the holy scriptures being read, listen to God, how God was calling the people of Israel to live a righteous life. So when she asks this question, how can this be as I am a virgin? It's like she's almost giving the angel a test. It's like she's giving him a test because she would have known that scripture from Isaiah 7, 14 that says, therefore the Lord called himself, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So she's able to hearken to that because she's lived a faithful life because she sat under the teaching of her rabbis. She would have been familiar with such and she would have been asking more so You got the right girl? You sure you got the right virgin? 
there's so much tension in this story for me that comes up as I read this scripture because there's so much tension. It's almost unbelievable, right? Almost unbelievable. I don't know if you know this, but in online sales platforms, companies work really hard to reduce what's called friction for the end user. They do their best to make it as easy as possible for you to check out items that you put in your cart. You might have noticed how it's evolved over time. All of a sudden, there's a Google Pay option, there's an Apple Pay option, there's a shop option, and just with one click, magically, all of your information is saved in some mysterious place that you're told not to worry about. (laughs) And you can just, boop, get what you're looking for, and your cart is all, all of a sudden empty, and it's on its way to your house. They've removed the friction. So the tension that comes up for me in this is that if online retailers have worked so hard to remove friction for me to spend money, which is not important, why wouldn't the God of the universe remove every possible area of friction for the Son of God to come to earth? She's engaged, not married. She's a virgin. She's from Nazareth, which... You know, for all intents and purposes, like Northwest Pasadena, like people are like, what's happening up there? Nothing good, right? That's what people think about Nazareth. She's seemingly unimportant in the whole scheme of human history to that point. But I think, friends, that God wants to teach us something in the moment of this friction point in history. I think God wants to tell us, well, I'm going to tell you what the Lord told me, and I'm about to share the conviction with you. You ready? Okay, here we go. God is not interested in making things easy for us. God is interested in teaching us utter dependence on him and his word. I'm going to say it again. God is not interested in making things easy for you or me. I'm, I'm not counting myself out, okay? If I could tell you the story of my year, you'd be like, oh, yeah, girl, that's been rough. (laughs) God is interested in teaching us utter dependence on him and his word. Do you wanna know how I know that? It's because in the passage, the angel says to her, greetings to you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. If you have your Bible, circle that point, highlight it, make it a different color on your phone, the Lord is with you. Friends, I am ashamed to admit how often I forget how profound that statement is and how it's so much more than I deserve. Where are the areas of your life where you have counted yourself out for what it is that God has with you? Because can I tell you, the Lord is with you. How many times have you had a dream? Has someone spoken something over you? Have you had a burning desire in your heart to partner with the spirit that you just can't quite shake? But because of life, because of circumstances, because of things that have happened to you, you've built up this life full of obstacles that keep you away from what it is that God has called you to do in this world. Can I tell you something today? God is not interested in making things easy for you. He's interested in you relying on him and his word and the comfort that is given is that the Lord is with you. If you have lies that have been tumbling in your mind, even as I'm speaking these words today, I'm gonna speak some words over you and whatever it is that you catch that you need today, you hold it, you grip it, you white knuckle this truth, friends. And all of these are based in scripture. 
Whatever obstacle that is that you've put up, can I just remind you, you are chosen, you are free, you are a friend of God, you were made for a good purpose, you are a new creation, you are no longer condemned, you are righteous and holy, you are a temper of the Holy Spirit, you are accepted, you are forgiven, you belong to Jesus, you are protected by God, God loves you no matter what, God has a plan for your life, God listens to you, God gives you strength, God is taking care of you, you are blessed, God understands you, you are treasured by God, you are complete in Christ. These are truths based on what God says, not based on how you feel. Because let me tell you something, friends, as someone who struggles with anxiety and depression, feelings are fickle. On my best day, my feelings are fickle. So no, I can't trust how I feel I must stand on the word of the one who is and was and will be to come. That for those of us who proclaim Christ as our Lord and Savior, there is no obstacle that is in your way that can stand before the God of the universe. And you want to know something? That if, there's the, if that God who made grass green and mountains high and sky blue could engage and use an engaged virgin from Nazareth to bring forth the Messiah of the world, I think you and I can rethink and remove the lies that the enemy has tried to use to count you out from participating in God's redemptive work here on earth. You are not counted out. You are only counted in. And you're counted on to bring forth God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. What's counting you out? The second question that's come up for me as I read this passage is who do you think you are? I'm not asking you like as a sassy girl. I'm like, no, like literally, who do you think you are? See, in my spiritual imagination, I just imagine Mary many years on in age sitting with Dr. Luke so many years after this event has happened, recounting to him the moment that changed her entire life, right? And as she's recounting this story in my imagination, she's being flooded with memories and all the emotions of what was going through her as the angel of the Lord stood before her and gave her like the best and most terrifying news of all human existence. As an aside, I can just imagine Luke just sitting there as a physician being like, so let me just make sure I heard you correctly. Your pregnancy started because the Holy Spirit came on you and the power of the Most High overshadowed you. Did I get that right? And she's like, "Mm mm-hmm. And he was like, and you didn't ask any questions? (laughs) And I also think about Mary in the original moment when she's a teenager hearing he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And as the faithful Hebrew woman that she was, she would have hearkened back to the scriptures in Genesis after the fall, where in Genesis 3.15, Moses writes, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you, he's saying this to the serpent, above all livestock and all the wild animals, you will crawl on your belly, you will eat dust all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. I need you to catch that. She would have remembered the promise of God from the garden. 
that there would be a woman whose offspring would defeat the enemy once and for all. And with all of those emotions colliding and with scripture being brought to the forefront of her mind, her reasonable response was, I am the Lord's servant. My question to you, Vintage Church, is who do you think you are? When sweet teenage Mary was faced with impossible odds, potential divorce, public shame, people thinking she's actually crazy, and so much more, her response was to call on her identity, the thing that she knew was the most true about her. I am the Lord's servant. This is not a passive response. Grammatically speaking, I, I, the one doing the action, am. Am is what's called a linking verb. Do I have any English teachers in the house. I am is a linking verb and it connects the subject to additional information. And then we have the Lord's servant. That's what I am. It provides more information about the subject. When faced with this reality that I can only imagine was disorienting, Mary clung to the thing that she was the most sure of her identity in God. What about you though? What's your first reaction? What do you say to and about yourself when you're faced with life's hard moments? I had a conversation with a friend of mine. She's a theologian and she's a therapist. And what she said to me is that we believe our own voice the very most. We believe our voice the very most. So when I ask you this question, who do you think you are, when you're in your head, when you're having conversations with yourself, what are you saying to yourself? When you're faced with hard moments, hard questions, when you're surrounded by doubt and uncertainty, what thoughts prevail? Do you believe the things about yourself that are good and that are true, that are lovely, that contribute to the overall good of society? Or do you fall victim to the voices that would convince you the utter opposite of who God says you are. Mary's response was clinging to her identity in God, not on her circumstances. Who do you think you are? So then this last question that I have for us is I'm, as I'm reading the scripture, as I'm digesting Mary's story, I'm challenged with this question. I'm gonna put it before you So what's our reasonable response? So there she is at this collision point in history with the very brief life that she had lived so far. And in that moment, I can't help but imagine that she's remembering the ways that God has been faithful century over century over century to the nation of Israel all the way back to the beginning of things. So she has the word of the Torah coming back to bear in this very moment of her life, the writings of Moses and Isaiah echoing in her spirit. And now parenthetically, we have the gift of history where we can look back and we can be like, wow, that was amazing. We can look back with awe and wonder. But in that moment, she was faced with a literal life altering choice. Do I believe God? Would she believe that if God did it before, that surely if this messenger was sent to her with this news, that the God of the universe may just have been paying attention to this teenage girl from Nazareth, this young unmarried girl from a seemingly insignificant history, 
With all of that swirling and her life changing before her eyes, her response was, so be it unto me, as it says in the King James Version. So be it unto me. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled in me. Can we just sit there for a minute? (laughs) Can we just sit there for a minute? Mary has, the course of human history, taking a huge pivot from 400 years of silence to now the deliverance of the Messiah. And her response, which would have been mine, was not, are you sure? Who, me? Wait, the other Mary? Yeah, you're talking about the other. That Mary lives three blocks down the street. You need to talk to her. She's married. And then she also didn't say, um, excuse me, Mr. Angel, while you're at it, can you tell me, does this go well for me and this boy? <laughs> She's not asking for like what's to come. Her only response was, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled in me. It's flooring. It's almost preposterous. In September of 2021, I had been praying and fasting for about a month and a half um, because I was seeking clarity from God on what my next steps in ministry was supposed to be. I had just been feeling this sense of like discontent, like that God was calling me to more. I just didn't know what that looked like. Um, And I was asking God for creative eyes to see what was to come. I knew I was called to more, but I didn't know what it was. So I just committed to fasting and praying. So one day during a worship service, I'm just singing my little heart out like, great are you, Lord, you know, just singing and crying, which is what I do. I was doing it here in the first service, like worship team, thanks, you just made me cry. Almost messed up my makeup. Um, And I'm sitting there and I'm worshiping and I just hear the Lord say to me, I also need to tell you, there have been, I can count on one hand how many times I've heard the audible voice of the Lord speak to me. Anyway, I'm worshiping, blah, blah, blah. And the Lord said, this church is your home, your time on staff is over, turn to Harambe. And I'm like, what? Like, I'm not exaggerating. That's literally what I did in the worship service. I was like, the music was loud, so nobody else heard me. But I was like, Ugh, what? And the Lord says, this church is your home. Your time on staff is over, turn to Harambe. And I'm like, what? And then the spirit said, I, I say this and people don't believe me, but the spirit, this is how the spirit deals with me. And the Lord was like, you asked. I'm telling you. And so I have like an Old Testament gangster Jesus who talks to me in my prayer life. (laughs) Like, you girl, you've been asking me. Now I'm telling you, you gonna say you don't believe me? Okay. At this point, I'm like the most confused. So I pick up my phone, I write it down, I send it to my husband. I'm like, the Lord just said this to me. And he was like, I don't, I don't understand. I'm like, same, I don't get it. So that week I met with the pastor who was the current executive director of Harambe and I said, look, I don't know what's happening over there. I just need to tell you, this is what God said to me and I would love your help discerning what this means for me. This person's jaw like drops, hits the floor and was like, Angela, for the last six months I've been praying for an executive director for Harambe. He's like, nobody knew, I didn't tell anybody. I just told the leadership team this past week that I had been praying for a replacement. And I just told them that on Friday. And God gave you this word on Sunday. And I was like, "Mm mm-hmm, okay. And then he was like, well, let's keep praying about it. I was like, that's a good idea because maybe God will change his mind. Like, that's a great idea. (laughs) And I was there in this moment of my life. We committed to praying. As we continued to pray, God made it more and more clear that this is what we were supposed to do. And in that moment, 
was when God called me out of church ministry and into neighborhood community development ministry. Harambe is a community development organization, meaning that we don't do anything that the community doesn't first ask for. We survey the community, we talk to the neighbors, we ask, we say, what do you need? They say this, we pivot our programs and that's what we do. And now we exist to nurture and equip leadership and we do that through a myriad of things, through our robust performing arts program, through our tutoring program that's equal parts mentorship, discipleship and education, through our comprehensive after school programs, through a high school entrepreneurship program, on and on. We're seeking to meet the needs of the community, all powered by our faith, recognizing that we live in a world that needs to experience the hands and feet of Jesus before we ever talk about this man named Jesus. So I'm there in this moment of my life where God's saying, I'm calling you out and I'm calling you into this neighborhood ministry. And I gotta tell you, I felt just a little piece of what I know Mary had to have felt in that moment one of my favorite themes of Advent, which was peace. It didn't make sense for me nor my husband. We just knew that this was the faithful yes that God was calling us to, that in spite of all my reservations, the potential cost to my family, that a faithful yes to God was what was needed in that moment. God didn't need my preparation. God didn't need my resume. God wasn't looking at my track record. I can look back and see in that moment that the Lord was looking right at my heart, at my intentions, and my willingness to obey. God was looking for my reasonable response. And with the God of the universe speaking so clearly to me and my husband, our reasonable response in that moment was, yes, Lord. Here we are, send us. And what about you? Enough about me, <laughs> what about you? Now maybe you haven't had a moment like that before, ever in your life, that's okay. We serve a God with infinite possibilities on how the spirit can communicate to each of us. But I'm pretty sure while we might not have had an angelic visitation, that we do have a moment where we all have that moment where we're like, God, I need you. What do you want to say to me? At some point in your life, if you've been faced with any kind of moment, and in that moment there was like a fire in your belly that you just couldn't explain, that was pointing you in a direction that was maybe terrifying, that was maybe an idea or a bit of a compulsion or just like almost a dragging of like, God, I don't know what this is, but I feel like I need to do it to the point that it almost scares you, that is the spirit speaking to you, calling you forward. And maybe you've had those moments and maybe you've said yes, but maybe you've said no. Can I offer you today that those are the moments where God is inviting us to have a reasonable response in the spirit? And you might be asking Angela, well, what am I responding to? You'd be responding to the gift of the spirit, the spirit that was given to us as the third expression of the Godhead amongst us as humans, the gift that Jesus left us as a reminder that he is Emmanuel, God with us. This spirit that came after Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died for our sins and rose again in all power. For those of us who are in the room who profess a faith in Jesus, who profess that we believe all of this impossibly unimaginable story to be true, because we know it to be true, and have committed to living a life surrendered to Jesus, that's us 
and that every moment when God gives us the opportunity to say yes to his will and to his way, our reasonable response to all that God has done for us is just like Mother Mary. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. The King James Version says, be it unto me according to thy word, so be it unto me, God. In our musical Bethlehem, there's a whole song that Mary sings. It's called, So Be It Unto Me. And our incredible writers have like adapted Mary's Magnificat into a modern day hip hop song of what would a teenager in 2023 say to God? It's spectacular. I mean, I'm biased, but it's like spectacular. <laughs> but I think for me, when I listen to usually this 10 year old rapping Mary's Magnificat, I think, I think that's what Mary would have said in 2023 if offered the same opportunity. So be it unto me when I don't know how this story ends. I just know, God, that you're holding my hand in the middle. So be it unto me when I can't see up from down. So be it unto me because your ways are higher than my ways. So be it unto me because who am I that you would be mindful of me, God? So be it unto me because at the end of all of it, God, you are faithful and I want to participate in your word being fulfilled in whatever redemptive work that you're doing on earth. So be it unto me. So be it unto us. That's our reasonable response. The day I gave birth to my daughter, Justice, I'm closing with this. I did so, I gave birth to my daughter, both of my children without pain medications. Um, and so, well, <laughs> I always laugh whenever women are like, <laughs> like whenever I say that. While sitting in the postpartum room, my mom can attest, I turned and I looked at my mom and I just said to her, I was like, I just did something incredible. I can do anything. <laughs> Literally, I probably had some crazy in my eyes when I said it. And I look back and I giggle at that moment of this fresh mama with very little clue about motherhood and the journey that lied ahead of her. But there was a confidence that I felt from this catalytic moment that changed everything about what I believed about myself. I think the same is true for us in our walks of faith. I believe that in God and the infinite kindness of the spirit, there are these moments deposited across the entirety of our lives. These moments where the spirit shows us with astounding clarity, the goodness and faithfulness of God. These moments, friends, are how God shapes us and molds a faith that is steadfast and ready to reject the thoughts that count us out, to solidify, our identity as a beloved child of God and to elicit our reasonable response of living a life surrendered to the most high God. Mary, even in her teenage years, understood that and her yes changed the course of human history. Where is God inviting you to change the course of history in your family, in your neighborhood, in your workplace and beyond? May it be so, may we walk faithfully where the spirit is leading us. In Jesus' name, will you pray with me? God of heaven, I thank you so much that you wove this beautifully unlikely story into the canon of scripture. That this beautifully unlikely girl would be chosen to do the most awesome and incredible task a human could be tasked with 
and that in the face of fear and uncertainty, she said, God, I trust you more than I trust my feelings. I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice right now, Spirit, that you would speak to the areas where maybe we have fear, maybe we have uncertainty, maybe we have pain, and would you just remind us that you are bigger, greater, stronger than anything that this life could put before us. May our reasonable response be just like Mary. We are the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled in us today and always. It's in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen.